we'll start with the set aside prayer. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about use, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. I have to remember that, especially how may let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are on um, step four introduction. I did last Saturday. And now we're going to look at the manifestations of self. I forgot to bring in the handout on self, with self in the circle, and then the three instincts of life. It's on the site. Your three instincts of life, sexual, material, and emotion, uh, emotional. And when I try to run the world and manage those instincts, then I have wrongs as a result of that. And I have three wrongs. I have resentment, which is wrong judgment. And I have fear, which is wrong belief. And I have wrong actions that I take in relationships with others. And if we put God in there and let him run our life and satisfy our instincts at the level he thinks we need, then we have love and we have tolerance and patience and pity and compassion and consideration. And we love our neighbors as ourselves. And we have mercy on people. So if we want to practice the characteristics of God, we have to learn how to put God at the center of our life and have him direct us. And so now we're going to see what happens when we're at the center of our lives and we direct it. And being convinced that self manifested in various ways which was a, had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. I've been studying the book of James. It's not an easy book to study, but the teacher we have is very experienced and been doing it a long time. And I finally understood that the book of James, and the reason it was so popular with Dr. Bob and his wife Anne, and that they studied the book and they used that for the principles that we have in our program, and that the Oxford group was so um, studied it is because it's a it's a it's a book written to uh, Jewish Christians on how to practice the uh, a mature Christian life, mature in their relationship with others and with God. And uh, when you look at it from that respect, it's, it's, I'm able to see it. It has a lot of the, the principles of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in it. And I was listening to Faith Without Works is Dead, which uh, uh, people have whole theologies based on that one little section. But that's really about what we talk about in AA is that we can believe in God, but if we don't take the action to allow him to work in our lives, then he's dead to us in terms of his power. And when he's dead to us in his power, the works you see in my life is resentments, fears, and harmful actions. So if I'm in right relationship with God and progressing in his character, I'll see less of those 
characteristics and when they occur I'll see how to uh, deal with them sooner by letting go of them asking God's help and so basically um, I need a new pair of glasses all the time and take off Michael's glasses and I can have all the faith in the world but if I'm wearing Michael's glasses it's not going to work for me and I have to allow God's glasses in and I didn't know that when they came in and they quote that several times in the book and we're not going to go more into that but I can see now having studied it why it was they would meditate on it the, the Oxford group and then the early AA before the book was even written resentment is the number one offender so it's the most it's the number one manifestation of self and it's the number one offender against uh, against my relationship with God and I have, think it offends God and it blocks me from his power and I didn't see that and it's it's wrong and for alcoholics it's always wrong there are there can be justified um, justified uh, I don't know if you would call it resentment but you can be justifiably upset about certain things that have happened or been done to you or your children or for, for instance but you can use God to help you see it the way it's supposed to be seen because we're not supposed to look at things when we're angry we're going to see them wrong and we say the serenity prayer at this meeting so I need to have that serenity from God to be able to get the wisdom to see things right and so I won't take wrong actions as a result of that anybody have resentments when they come in here anybody have any today I heard about a couple on the phone from one of our members today and uh, we still get them but I don't have to allow them to stay in my head so resentment is the number one offender that's what they say and number one is in quotes so I don't know why it's in quotes does that mean there's the number two we're getting to that and number three now it destroys notice the word destroys more alcoholics than anything else it destroys us most people who uh, stop coming to the meetings and uh, can't stay sober uh, usually have a resentment that's causing them to drink want to drink because remember when we have resentments we don't feel good and our emotions build up and then we seek the ease and comfort of alcohol so resentment is related to me managing my life and then when I'm managing my life and I get resentments then alcohol starts to have power over me and when I have resentments God has no power over me that was good I'm glad I thought of that that way and so we want God to have power and we're going to see on the next page where they talk about how futile they are from it from resentment stem all forms of spiritual disease now we have spiritual dis-ease when I come to AA I'm at dis-ease with the spirit my spirits at dis-ease and and I want to have be at peace with God and so when I'm in resentment 
then it starts this whole cycle of this separation from God and how I act and how I feel and it, it, it doesn't go well. And for those who've been in recovery for a while, resentment doesn't have to be a major thing where you're in a rage. It could just be someone's taking too long in front of me. The gas at this gas station doesn't fill quick enough. And it goes on and on and these things build up and these little what they call mouse turds become a mountain. And so let's see what they say because they're going to tell us how we can get rid of anger. Isn't that something? It's in the book. It's actually four paragraphs to be free of anger. We're not going to get to that tonight because I've already blabbered too long. But um, you'll see how powerful it is. The, these pages, 64 to 68, have changed my life. Then 68 to 69, which is fear, changed it even more. And then 70 to 73 in relationships. I can't tell you how powerful these pages are. And it, you know, it doesn't cost a lot of money to get the book and read these. Uh, the instructions we're going to go through. And it's not that complicated. From, it stems all form of spiritual disease. Because I've been not only mentally and physically ill, but I have been spiritually ill. Now, I need to remember that because when I'm judging others for something they may do, they are spiritually ill too, just like me. And, but I'm spiritually ill. And when you're spiritually ill, you don't see things right. I didn't see things right when I was spiritually ill. I saw things wrong. Now, how was I mentally ill? Well, I was mentally ill with my thinking. My mind was full of resentments and fear and judgment and intolerance and character defects. And, and, so, and then physically, I was physically ill when I drank. My body was physically ill, but I was physically ill because I was at dis-ease with the world and the people in it. And I was conflict with everybody, everything. And my relationships were not well. So, and we're going to learn how to repair our physical illness in amends in 8 and 9 with the world, right? And that's how we lose fear of people. And we're going to learn how to be right with our mind in 4, 5, and 6, and 7. And in steps 1, 2, and 3, we're trying to get right with God where he's the director. Now, when we're doing our four-step, we're trying to see the manifestations of self so we can follow these simple steps so that God can direct me instead of my resentments. My resentments will be my higher power when I have them. When I'm upset, they will be my higher power. And we want to learn how to replace that with God, how he can take that away and give me peace. So unfortunately, or fortunately, when we do the work in AA, we don't have to get disturbed very much at all or stay disturbed very long. And the only person who can ruin my day is me because we have power with God on how we can deal with the world and the people in it. And hopefully we change so there'll be less problems for people dealing with me. All right, so in dealing with resentments, this is very complicated. We put them on paper. Anybody not understand that? Uh, you don't think it through. You don't talk it out. You put them on paper. Doesn't say what kind of paper. I usually have people get a notebook. 
spiral notebook. And you're going to list people, principles, or institutions with whom you were angry. Now, that's the first column. And all you do is list them. You put names. And they're going to show us an example on page 65. And you're going to list names. That's not hard. And try to come up with 5, 10, 15, 20. All you have to do is really think of anybody you've ever had a relationship, anybody you've worked with, anybody you went to school with, all your relatives. If you're married, your in-laws, their brothers-in-laws, sister-in-laws, your family, your, and it's easy to come up with names of people who have bothered you. And they don't have to be raging, but you're going to use these as tools to go through the process to see why you get angry and how you can be free of it. So we asked ourselves why we're angry. So you list, he calls it the cause, but you put, what did they do? Or what did I think they did? Because a lot of times they hadn't done what I thought they did. Uh, and you put the cause. Now here's something I didn't know until I started doing this and doing this out of the book. Then the third column is what was affected. And that's why I said the handout that I forgot to bring is you have self and you have your your plans to fulfill your instincts. And if they're threatened in any way, you get angry. Anybody threatens my sex instinct, you get angry. Anybody threatens your material instinct, you not only get angry, but you get afraid. Or you get afraid if your sex instinct is threatened. And then your emotional uh, instinct, if that gets threatened, your pride, your self-esteem, your ambitions, your personal relationships, you get angry and you get afraid. And so um, we, in most cases, we found that it was our self-esteem, what I thought of myself. And I usually, I have low self-esteem and I have excessive pride when I came in. I hope my excessive pride is less. I've been humbled by doing this work. I've been humbled by seeing the nature of myself. And that makes you open-minded to God, and it shows you get less threatened when you're humble. And our pocketbooks, my pocketbooks, my ambition, my personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore, we were burned up. So I got burned up and sore because I was threatened. Now what that means is, if I'm not threatened in some way in these instincts of life, and it produces fear, because th when you're threatened, you get afraid, and then that triggers anger. And so you see how fear and anger are related. And then fear and pride are related. Because the, somebody said it's a ruinous coin. On one side, it says pride. On the other, fear. Because when you have excessive pride, you're always threatened. And so that's the first three columns, pretty simple. And I usually put three to a page and have to do them, do the, uh, the cause on the page, and then I have them turn over on the next page. I do column three and the one, two, three. And then we'll get to column four, but probably not for, uh, for a few 
maybe not, maybe next podcast. So we were sore, we were burned up. Now when an alcoholic gets sore, burned up, that's a dangerous place. And they call it our grudge list. So in your grudge list, which we talked about, we said opposite each name are injuries. What was injured? Not what did they do, but what did they injure? Did they injure my self-esteem? Did they injure my security instinct, my ambitions, my personal or sex relationships were with interfered with? Now what I wrote here was don't mess with me, exclamation point. I don't know when I wrote this, I've been doing this forever. But we don't want to be messed with. And then we, we get afraid and we get angry. And um, so that's, that's the first three columns. And he's going to give us an example. I'm resentful at Mr. Brown. I love this one. I don't know how he wrote it. The cause, his attention to my wife. Well, obviously you should be upset with Mr. Brown. He's paying attention to his wife. Here's a good one. Told my wife of my mistress. Now that really pissed me off because it threatens my sex instinct, my material instinct, right? My wife's going to leave me and maybe my, on all my emotional. And, and then Brown may get my job at the office. This guy is really bad. He should be executed. Look what he did. He's paying attention to my wife. He told her, now what's the truth here? Now it affects our sex relations, self-esteem, fear, pride, ambition, security, the whole deal. Now, we're not, at, we're not at the fourth column yet, but what was my mistake? Well, one, uh, I'm not paying attention to my own wife. I'm drinking all the time. I've got a mistress and I'm not showing up at work. Now, if you're a real alcoholic and you come in, I've heard a lot of people have resentments like this, and they make perfect sense to them. But when uh, an observer just looks at it, it doesn't take long to see that. And so, uh, and then Mr. Brown may be spiritually ill, just like me. And we're going to learn how to see him differently and then look at how I, what mistakes I made in my th to have this thinking. Not my part, because they don't have a part. It's all me. This is all my inventory, my, my mistakes. And that's what it says on 67. We now look at the list. We look at our own mistakes, my mistakes in my thinking, how I saw it. So Mrs. Jones, she's a nut. She snubbed me. So when snubbing him, we don't like to be snubbed, right? Because that affects our pride, our self-esteem, and our ambitions. She committed her husband for drinking. Well, he probably needed to be committed, but he's my friend. She's a gossip. He's judging her, right? She's just a human being. He's getting upset. His employer, he didn't like his employer. He's unreasonable. He's unjust. He's overbearing. He threatens to fire me for drinking and padding my expense account. So he's an unreasonable, unjust, overbearing. You see how ridiculous that is? And it affects his security, his sex instinct, his emotional instinct, his material instinct. Now, if I wasn't drinking and padding the expense account, he wouldn't be unreasonable. In fact, he's probably been pretty reasonable giving the guy a million chances. So you see how the resentments are actually, we're seeing them wrong, just in these two examples. And Mr. The employer has a responsibility he has people that do work, he has work to be done, 
He's just trying to get it do his job. My wife, he doesn't like his wife. She misunderstands me and nags me. She doesn't understand my mistress. She doesn't understand my not showing up, right? And she nags. I wonder what she's nagging about. Do you think he breaks promises to her? Do you think he's uh, caused a lot of fear in her life? Likes Brown. He doesn't even know that, but he thinks that. And here's one, once the house put in her name, that really pisses him off. But maybe she wouldn't do that if I hadn't done what I did. And so you see how you're threatened all the time. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that my anger is because my instincts in life, when I'm running the world, are threatened. And so it could be like at an AA meeting, if you don't like somebody's talking, they go on and on. It's the same thing you've heard a hundred times. And then I realize, well, they need to talk. This is them. They're all just like me. Sit there and listen, Michael. Practice love. Practice mercy. Be tolerant. And then I realized that God put him there so I could learn to be loving and tolerant and patient. And then it never occurred to me that when I'm talking, people are saying, is he ever going to shut up? And he's going on and on. And I've heard this a million times. You see, well, I'm in a good mood. So, All right, so we went back through your life. So that's what you're going to do. You go back through your life, and you're going to look at who you were angry at and what you think they did and then what was threatened. And I think if you do like 15 or 20, by the time you get to 12, it's all the same thing, you see. But you want to get the big ones there because you want to be able to see how you may have harmed people and how you may have to make amends to them. And so uh, you don't have to do everybody ever got angry at. I had one guy who didn't want to do his inventory yet because he had to go to work and go through all of his employment records to make sure he had all the names of everybody that pissed him off. I said, I don't think we need to do that. I think one or two would be enough. And it doesn't, and you're seeing a pattern. This isn't a test. You're not passing a test here. It's not going to be on CNN. It's for you. And for me, when I do it, and when I do it with people, I'm doing them all the time, four steps. And when I do them, I'm doing my own. I'm seeing myself. And we want to see how we can see things and change the way we see them, how we can forgive right away, and how we can look at our character defects and look at what we're practicing so we can practice differently. So we're going to find the exact nature of our wrongs. What's the exact nature of my resentments? You know, it's my, I'm threatened because of my instincts of life and I'm in self and then it produces all these character defects. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. I, I will make another observation. It's much easier to be calm when you no longer work. It's very easy because you don't have anything really responsibility anymore. When I was at work, it was very busy, and it would get, I would get like a ping pong ball, and things would, and I had to try to be very patient, stay in the moment, stay with God, do one thing at a time, because you're dealing with very difficult problems, and sometimes you have three or four of them at once. And so uh, the steps, this really helped me. 
I wasn't perfect, but I certainly was better than I used to be. We went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Now this is important because this is a life-saving uh, thing you're doing. You're trying to save your life. When we finish, we consider it carefully. So you're going to consider carefully just three columns. People talk about the fourth column and this and that. We'll get to that. It's the first three columns that are key to my future. Because I have to be able to be free of anger. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. Anybody think that? Anybody have wrong people? Anybody have stupid people in their minds? They're just stupid. But they're not. They're not. They're doing the best they can. And I have to understand that now. And, and there really wasn't, they re nobody was really wrong. They were just, they had their personality. They were doing the best they can with their personality. And people probably thought I was wrong a lot, too. And so we can see that. To conclude that others was wrong was as far as most of us ever got. And that's what happens. You come in here and you've got your list of everybody who screwed up your life and made it a mess so you drank or used. But it's not true. You can't blame anybody anymore. This is how you learn to take responsibility for your life. The usual outcome, when I got thought they were wrong, they continued to wrong me. Now, how did they wrong me? I, I wrote in my mind. I keep seeing, well, you know, how they're doing. And then who decided they were wrong? See, when I concluded others was wrong, I was wrong. It wasn't true most of the time. So I was saying that they're wrong, and it's not true, because I'm seeing it wrong. And then I stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then I was sore at myself. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I react that way? But the more I fought and tried to have my own way, notice that. I'm fighting to get my way to be right. The worst matters got. Has that ever happened? Have you ever gotten in an argument with your wife, and you try to defend yourself, and it just I have to say, shut up, Michael, shut up. It'll, it's be okay. I don't ha it, we don't have to retaliate or argue. We are who we are. And, but we hardly ever fight, my wife and I. The more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. Did you ever fight at work with somebody? You wanted them to do something, and they wouldn't do it the way you wanted. Or it's just so many ways the supplies. But as in war, the victor only seemed to win. You don't win when you're arguing with somebody, trying to get your way, you're angry, you're n you never win. And our moments of triumphs were short-lived. What was our What does it mean by triumph? I got what I wanted? Or I belabored or belittled the other person or made an, excuse me, an ass of myself? and to get my way and prove I was right, what, what value was that? So here's the deal. We'll cover these, uh, this next paragraph, and then we'll pick up with Free of Anger on uh, Saturday. It is plain, plain to who? Everyone. And it has to be plain to me. Remember, we had the, the first requirement, and it's like, be convinced that a life run on self-will can never be successful.
it has to be plain to me, I have to be convinced of this, that a life which includes deep resentment, and resentments become deep when you hold on to them, you know? And uh, so who makes them deep? We do. And I don't have to have any deep resentments anymore. When I have a deep resentment, it leads only to futility and unhappiness. I'll never be happy, and my life will never have any meaning when I'm living a life in resentments. I'll always be in conflict with everybody and everything. I won't be fit spiritually. I have no power over alcohol, right? I won't be in a position of neutrality because I won't have a relationship with God. So if I want to get to page 85 and be have God put me in a position of neutrality, I have to learn how to see the truth about these resentments and a life that leads in deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. So when we drink or use, our life spirals out of control. But then when we get sober, we still have the resentments. And then we feel bad at ourselves and we still have these resentments. Here's the key line to the precise, now precise, that means to the to the absolute precision, the amount, extent, to the precise extent that I permit these. Now, I'm the one that permits these. And the more I permit it, to, to the extent that I permit these, I have a life of futility and unhappiness. I'm the one who permits these. And do I squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? Think of all the times you've been upset. You go home, you're, you know, you're at this ease, and and you carry this around, and the other person's eating dinner or watching Big Bang or something. And we have permitted these things, and we squander the hours that might have been with How much time in my life have I spent being disturbed? How much time have I spent in fear and anger? Wow, too much, too much. And I don't like to be around people who are constantly angry. I don't, I don't like that anymore. I try to stay away from it. Because you don't, you don't have pleasant, you're not in a pleasant situation. So I permit it to the precise extent that I permit these, I squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope, now I hope this is the, for the new person, this is your hope. A lot of people don't, have never read this, so they don't even know this. But my hope as an alcoholic is the maintenance of growth of a spiritual experience, a relationship with God, so that I won't be at spiritual disease, disease anymore, right? So that's what my hope is. I want to maintain and grow a spiritual experience. This business of resentment is infinitely grave. Now, infinitely grave is bad. It's stage four pancreas cancer. They come in, they can't eat, their scan shows this big mass, and they have metastasis to the liver, and it's, it's a hopeless condition. And that's a grave, infinitely grave. But we have the same thing when we're living in self, running our lives, the instincts of life, and we're angry and resentful and fearful all the time. And they, for some of these people who are really ill, they would come in, we would have treatments, and they would get better. 
And we have it for alcoholism, because we're going to read it right here. It's infinitely grave. Now, they know we're alcoholics, so we don't read carefully, Joe and Charlie says. So they write, we found it is fatal. It is going to kill me spiritually. Now, a lot of people, not a lot, but some people get sober, and they're angry all the time, and they're sober quite a long time. And that's fine. I don't want to be that. What I want is emotional sobriety. And I can't be emotionally sober and maintain a growth of spiritual experience if I'm being in self and resentful all the time. It just can't happen. You can't be with God in a peace and angry at the same time. It's infinitely grave, it's fatal. And here's another key line. For, for when harboring such feelings, I'd read this, but I didn't understand the, the significance at first. When I harbor my feelings, my anger, my fear, and I put them in a safe place in my brain, because a harbor is a place where you put the boats in the storm, right? So that they, they'll be safe. I'm putting these feelings in a safe place in my brain. And what does that do for me? It shuts me all ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit, capital S, spirit. It blocks me from God. And who does it? I put it in a safe place. Now, I've had people I've tried to help that won't pull these resentments out of the safe place. They just won't do it. And they don't like me after a while, and they don't want to do it, and they, I don't see them. So what does it take for me to take these out of a safe place? Desperation. Tired of living the way. The first step. I don't want to go on like this. I want to change. I want to have some peace. And then I'm willing to let these things go. You've heard, I'll, I'll make these amends, but I'm not going to make amends to that person. I'm not going to forgive that person. Well, good. Have a party. A lot of those people don't make it. I have to be willing to let go of everything. Remember, willing to go to any length. Let go of all my old ideas. These are all my old ideas. I need to let go of them. Absolutely are the results what? nil and I'm going to die so I have to do it and it says the insanity of alcohol returns that I can't see the truth about the drink and we drink again and with us to drink is to die and I don't think they're mincing any words here and I think that's powerful anybody else think this is powerful so am I desperate do I want to pull when I'm disturbed or irritated do I want to pull that out of safe harbor and let it go and as soon as I'm willing to pull it out of safe harbor, God will take it away. I mean, that's the truth for me. All right, that's enough out of me. And uh, we'll open it up.